Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. First degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. The first degree. These things are supposed to happen in movies, not in real life. Hey guys, welcome to The First Degree, the true crime podcast that you might end up on. My name is Jack Vanek. I'm sitting across from Alexis Linkletter and next to Billy Jensen. And we're going to jump right into this case because it is pretty freaking wild and there is a lot of ground to cover and I think that we might end up making it a two-parter. But before we start, if this is your first time listening, the premise of The First Degree is to tell these crazy, crazy stories from the perspective of somebody that is one degree away from the perpetrator or the incident itself. So if you guys are connected to a murder or other stranger than fiction story, please write us at hello at the first degree podcast.com or DM us on any of our Instagrams or checking everything. So let's jump right in. We're going to set the scene for the story. It took place in Lodo, which is the lower downtown area of Denver, Colorado, and it was on the eve of April Fool's Day. A different holiday, not Halloween. A different holiday that you don't really want to be making these kind of jokes around. So on the eve of April Fool's, 19-year-old student Kenya Monhe is having girls night out with her girlfriends on a warm spring evening, just like I used to do when I was 19. (laughs) And... It wasn't really something uncommon for Kenya to do to go out on the weekends. She was a really hard worker. She would work all week at school, and then she would kind of let loose on the weekends. This particular night, she dolled herself up, threw on a pair of red high heels, and left her place wearing a black skirt, black top, and a black jacket. So Kenya went out this night, and nothing really seemed out of the ordinary. But the next morning, something unusual did happen, and that's that Kenya's parents were unable to reach her. Her friends couldn't reach her either. And then that's when worried calls and texts started to kind of ping pong between Kenya's loved ones as everyone tried to figure out where she was. So one of her friends actually calls Kenya's dad and explains that he had her cell phone, her keys and her purse with her. And obviously that's even more alarming because who who leaves anywhere without their cell phone, keys and purse? So wherever she was, it would make zero sense for her to be out without these things. And the friend explains to her dad that they were all out at this club called 24K. And at one point, Kenya left her stuff with her friends at the table and said, you know what, I'll be right back. But then she doesn't come back. She disappears. So once the family hears that, they get frantic. Yep. Very out of character, I feel like, for 
most people. Well, yeah. I mean, especially in our generation and even especially younger, you don't go anywhere without your phone. No. And you don't remain somewhere without your phone. No. And even if you were going to be, and we've seen a lot of these stories, Alexis, where somebody might go off and did they go and go missing or was it a suicide? They're not going to leave their stuff at a club. And go. They might leave their stuff at home, yeah. and then they go off someplace that they just want to get completely off the grid. But leaving your keys and your phone and your wallet at a club, that's not happening. Highly right. unusual. But what else do we know about Kenya? What is her deal? Her friends described her as friendly, outgoing, and someone who loves to have fun. She worked hard, got straight A's, and she taught Bible study in her free time. So she was a good girl. She really wanted to work on either TV production or criminology, and she pretty much put all of her energy into these goals and getting good grades in college. She was on top of her shit, so on the weekends, she liked to let loose and have fun, as we all do, and, you know, wanted to burn off a little bit of steam. It's very well-deserved. Right? Absolutely. I'm drinking rosé right now because I worked hard today. Mm-hmm. We're drinking. And she wanted to be in TV production or criminology, which is kind of like what we, we do. That is what we do. That is what we do. We're drinking vodka. <laughs> we are, yeah, by the way, we're drinking vodka and we did not get, uh, at least I did not get straight. You ends, have to I'll drink you when you do this for work. Yeah. You have to. You have to push through something. Especially because <laughs> me and Alexis just did this for nine hours at our day job and now we're doing this. Again. Again at our night job. So. You guys must love true crime or something. <sighs> something. Something like that. You know that a sponsor is really good when one of us ends up signing up for it after we get our kind of sample pack in the mail. And that is what happened to Alexis with Daily Harvest. If you don't know about Daily Harvest, they are so amazing for people that are on the go or people that don't really know how to cook. And both of those things are me and Alexis. So Daily Harvest delivers perfectly proportioned cups of frozen organic fruits and vegetables directly to your door. All you have to do is add water or your favorite cup of milk, and then you is blend or heat and that's it their harvest bowls are so amazing and savory and their healthy dinner that's faster than takeout and they have these amazing ready to blend protein smoothies that actually can get you excited about going to the gym and each of their dessert flavored packs at least 10 grams of protein with no chalky powders and they're so freaking good so go to daily-harvest.com and enter promo code first to get three cups free in your first box. That's daily-harvest.com. Promo code first for three free cups in your first box. When Kenya and her friends went out, they had this go together, leave together rule, which is really smart, especially, you know, when you're a little bit younger and you're going to clubs and drinking. It's a crazy world out there. People are slipping stuff into drinks all the time. It's like you want to have your girls by your side. I think it's a good rule. I mean, as adults, I mean, I don't even think you should go to a mall and leave by yourself. <laughs> Parking lots of Walmart, for example, are like the most dangerous place. You get carjacked. Also, you need you need a buddy at all times. Buddy system. In. Absolutely. Buddy system. So go together, leave together, which is... Which is uh, it, it's it's a huge thing to 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 have ingrained in you. Even if some woman says, "Oh, I met this guy," and whatever. I mean, what would happen if you guys are out and some one of your friends says, "Oh, I met this guy." You guys go ahead. I'm going to go with him. What do you say? It's a little different. <laughs> Wait, no, 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 no. Why is that a we little different? Care. He seemed really nice, but, and then he turns into well, Ted mean, Bundy. Like, was really nice too, guys. Ted Bundy was also hot. I mean, it's. I think that we like to think that, especially with like online dating and stuff, it's like, oh, I'm going out with a guy from Bumble or whatever. I feel like we used to be like, okay, well, what's his number? What's his name? Send me his Instagram. You know, people are keeping tabs, but a lot of times people don't. You know, we like to say that we do, but I feel like 
lot of people are also ashamed to be like on Tinder all the time. They don't want to tell their friends that they're meeting a different guy at a bar every night. I'm not talking about myself. I'm not on the dating apps, but <laughs> but this is different though. This condition. is this is a girls' night out. This so you're you're out with five of the girls. You guys are out there. You're drinking, and one of them says, "I met this great guy." I'm going to stay here you, and you guys uh, can go if you guys want to go. What do you guys do? I would let the girl go, but this is different because she didn't meet a guy. She just kind of up and left. That's and true. No, that is back. true. Yeah. That is true. And if you don't have your phone, it's hard to call your friend to ask where they are. To figure out where they are, yeah. back up. It's just a, a challenge all around. No, absolutely. I mean, same thing happened. Actually, one of the cases that happened on, Hall- on at the Halloween party, Chelsea Brock, same thing. She had lost her phone. Mm-hmm. She lost her phone mm-hmm. at the party. And uh, you guys can Google that one and see what happened. Right. So... Kenya is missing, and as worried parents do, they pretty much immediately decide to go to the cops and report her missing. They try to file a missing persons report, but because Kenya is over 18, there are no real signs of foul play, and she's been missing for less than 24 hours. There's very little that the police can do until 48 hours have passed, so they were essentially forced to wait. But Kenya's dad at this point decided to start his own little investigation. And he gets his hands on Kenya's cell phone. So Kenya's friend gives Kenya's dad, the the person, the phone, and he starts going through her texts and calls to see if there's anything glaring that might reveal some hint as to where Kenya could be. That's when he finds a strange text message from a number that isn't stored in Kenya's phone that was sent right around the time that Kenya would have disappeared from the club and separated from her friends. And the text reads, Hi, I just wanted to make sure you got home okay. It's Travis, the guy with the creepy van. What? Now, just if a guy, I mean, here's here's the crazy thing about this. On the one hand, you have a digital trail now of the guy. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, it's a terrifying text which says, "Hi, just wanted to make sure you got home okay." It's Travis, the guy with the creepy white man. There was also a smiley face in there, by the way. There was a smiley face. You're right. I'm sorry, I excluded that. Yeah, but like, I don't know. That makes it even creepier to me. It makes it so creepy. Creepy white van, wink face. Jeez. Right. So, I mean, right. this is like, straight, like literally out of a movie. Then what happens next? He finds this text, and then what does he do? So Kenya's dad calls the number, and he leaves a message urging this person to call him back, and he's hopeful that this Travis guy with this creepy white van might know something that can help find Kenya. A day or so later, Kenya's dad gets a call back from Travis, and Travis says that uh, on the night that she went missing, he spotted a very drunk-looking Kenya on the sidewalk outside of a club. So allegedly, Kenya asked him for a ride home. Um, He said yes. She said that she was stranded without her phone in her purse and had no other way home, so he felt bad and offered to drive her home. As he was driving towards her home, she asked him to pull over at a gas station because she wanted to buy cigarettes. So he agreed, and she got out to buy the cigarettes. And according to Travis, she then met a different guy. They started chatting, and then this other guy said he would drive her home instead. And that's when he said Kenya left him. The whole idea of that, and we've seen this so many times in true crime and in missing person's cases where you have and it's usually with a boyfriend girlfriend or, a, or where we were getting we were driving around we get into a fight she got out of the car and i drove away yeah and anytime somebody says something like that that's red flags that go up because it's it's ridiculous and the idea that in the middle of the night when she is so drunk yeah. that she decides to uh you know oh i'm gonna hang out with this guy now uh, it seems very, very convenient. But yeah, she just randomly meets a strapping young, young lad at the gas station in the middle of the night. It's a little far-fetched, if you ask me. Very far-fetched. Kenya's dad is listening to this story from the stranger on the other end of the phone. 
and he's just not buying it. He's fuming, and he's really suspicious of this guy, but he really tries to stay calm and composed because he doesn't want to freak this guy out or prompt him to do something stupid. He doesn't really even know why he's staying calm, but he just doesn't want to upset this guy. But then he asks this guy, Travis, if he'll meet him at the gas station where he says he last saw Kenya. Travis agrees and says he'll meet him there in like 15 minutes. So as soon as Travis agrees, Kenya's dad hangs up the phone, he grabs his 9mm pistol, and he heads to the gas station in a total fury. With his gut instinct that this guy he just spoke with on the phone definitely knew something about where his daughter was and just was not being honest with him. So Kenya's dad is racing to this gas station. He's furious. He's got his gun on him. Meanwhile, when he was having this conversation with this guy, Travis, Kenya's mom, his wife, witnessed this exchange between her husband and this stranger. And so she heard this whole conversation. She realized, obviously, how angry her husband was. She knew her husband had a gun and left with the gun. So she's terrified. She feels that something terrible is going to happen. So she calls 911. And she urges the Denver Police Department to go there, intervene, you know, go go to this gas station. Something bad's going to happen. And please go there. Make sure that my husband doesn't do anything crazy. Make sure that nothing happens and nobody gets hurt. Right. So her dad gets to the gas station and he's shocked to see that the cops are there because he is hoping to have a one-on-one interaction with this guy. The officers were talking to a tall blonde man named Travis Forbes. And what was puzzling about this Travis guy is he wasn't scary at all. He had blonde hair, blue eyes. He was pretty hot. I looked up pictures mm-hmm. of him. Super attractive guy. Looked like a very normal, all-American kind of guy. Not only that, he seemed to be beating himself up about not getting Kenya home safely. He even said that Kenya had become really upset at some point over losing her phone and purse, so he attempted to teach her breathing exercises to calm her down. So he seemed like he really kind of cared about this girl's well-being. He didn't not just seem harmless. He was also super believable, sincere, and he was choking up when he was talking about Kenya. Like, he was actually really distraught about the whole situation. And he shook Kenya's dad's hand when he left, looked him right in the eye, and assured him that he had nothing to do with it. Seemed very believable at the time. Absolutely. When Travis enters the story is actually also where our first degree guest enters the picture as well. And she and Travis had been close friends for a number of years. So we're going to have her tell us about that herself. And her name is Audrey. So uh, my name is Audrey and I worked with Travis at a local health food store um, in the town that we lived in and um, became friends right away. He was a very friendly guy, very personable, um, just, you know, chatty. He liked to chat with um, our coworkers and customers coming in, and we became friends pretty quickly on. Um, I was in a relationship with somebody at the time, and so never romantically was involved with him, but um, close friends. Um, I remember the day that he started at the health food store and yeah, I mean, on, you know, at first, at first looks, he's, he's a handsome guy. Um, a lot of the girls at the health food store were, you know, attracted to him and, and customers, you know, were always like, Oh, Travis. And, you know, he's, he's a good, he's a good looking guy. I can see where when I guess kind of connecting the two when he picked up Kenya he looks harmless he um always dressed really well has a good laugh um sort of charismatic and I could see 
you know, if he were to pull up on the side of the road and and pick up someone else, I could see how easily it would be to get in the car with him because he looks harmless. So at the gas station, after all this happens, Travis meets the cops, meets Kenya's dad. He agrees to go back with the police officers to be questioned because he's happy to cooperate in any way. And he's extremely eager to help. And without a flinch or stutter, he essentially tells them the same story and continues with this guilt-riddled talk about wishing he had convinced her to go home with him instead of leaving with this other guy. So we actually are lucky enough to have some audio from this very session of questioning. If she had made the choice to to go back home or to get in my van, I would have taken her home. I mean, and if I felt any sort of any sort of weirdness about her walking over that guy, I would have done something. She put her arm through his arm, like while they were while they were sitting there smoking, and they spoke Spanish, and they walked off, and that's it. That was the last. That was it, and I went home. So what do we think? Does he sound sincere? He's a believable guy. That's such a specific comment to say that she had his arm inside mm-hmm. his arm while they were smoking. And you have to wonder where that came from. Well, there's the thing with when people lie. Sometimes if they give too much information and go too detailed into the story that they're telling, you know, it's a lie. That seems like just the right amount of a detail to be like, oh, that's believable. He's being descriptive, but not overly descriptive. I'd be like, oh, okay. That makes sense. Absolutely. But maybe this is how Travis is. Maybe he's just one of those kind of, I mean, Audrey mentioned earlier that he's always trying to connect and he's super deep. It's just like maybe he's a character and mm-hmm. he's harps on those details. Sometimes people, if they fall on the spectrum a little bit, you know, spectrum people, they do that too. He's a 31-year-old guy. He's an entrepreneur. And he made and sold gluten-free granola bars. <laughs> so how much, you know, how how benign can you get? Yeah, I mean, very granola. He's probably yoga. He's probably Da-da. certified to teach yoga too. He definitely doesn't eat meat. He's an avid runner. He wears. He likes to run. He likes to run marathons. All those socks. Vegan leather jackets. <laughs> and he had only been in Denver for about a year, and he had moved to Denver from Fort Collins, Colorado. He probably smokes like American Spirit cigarettes. And he his rolls his own. <laughs> yeah, tobacco. he does. He buys American Spirit tobacco and, and rolls then his own cigarettes. Breaks it up and uses like an organic wrapping paper, spliff or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Wow, we're really seeing an insight into the guys that you've dated. I think that's all this is right now. <laughs> this is a personal problem. No, I should date guys like that. I date way worse. Guys. You should. Not you should. You should not like get, date guys like this. So some of these activities we're talking about, Audrey partook in with Travis. So let's hear about those now. After work, we would go on runs together. Um, we even went down to Denver to go see my mom, picked my mom up from her house um, to go run in this 5K that was down in Denver. And um, a lot of just casual hangouts. Um, after work, we would go out with coworkers and go drinking and go out to dinner. And that lasted for a couple years. Um, so our friendship um, was pretty extensive and, and pretty close. I never knew him to be romantically involved with anybody in the time that I had known him over those couple of years. And I know that he was really close with his grandmother. 
but I don't know about his parents. I know that his grandma lived pretty close by. As far as family goes, I don't think he was very close with them. We were all very close coworkers together. And so, you know, the group of us were always sort of together with each other. So. We're back in the interview room at the police station. And then what is Travis saying? So Travis also said that after he left Kenya at the gas station, he went over to his girlfriend's house and stayed there for the rest of the night. He told cops that they could check with his girlfriend to confirm his alibi. So he was being super compliant with the cops, really easy. And the police even bring Travis's girlfriend in for questioning, and she confirms his whereabouts for the bulk of the night of Kenya's disappearance. So he's in the clear. But Kenya's still missing, but there's no evidence that confirms that she's met any sort of ill fate, and there's nothing glaring about Travis's involvement, so they let him go. Kenya's case at this point is an official missing persons investigation. The detectives who have been questioning Travis are starting to pick up on some personality quirks that this guy has. He's a really smooth talker, he's theatrical, and he seems a little cunning. He has an answer for everything. But again, they don't even know if Kenya's hurt. They know nothing. They, they just know that she hasn't turned up. Either way, the police are moving full speed ahead with this missing persons case and decide to look more deeply into Travis, despite the fact that he seemed to have a kind of airtight alibi. So the cops found out where he was working. He had rented a space at a bakery, which is where he made those gluten-free granola bars. And the bakery owner only had good things to say about this guy, Travis. Then they decide to look at the footage from the bakery's interior surveillance system. And the surveillance system that they had up there had a number of cameras that were positioned in the back where all of the baking took place. And they're going through all of these videos and and just watching, uh, trying to see if they see anything And they see something that is incredibly alarming. They spot Travis. And Travis is wheeling a huge cooler into the bakery's walk-in freezer. And the cooler has been bound, wrapped up with duct tape. And his demeanor isn't really abnormal. And they couldn't see what's in the cooler in the footage. But when they check the timestamp on the footage, they learn that Travis had brought in this cooler into work the morning after Kenya had vanished. So there's a big alarm bell right here. They continue to watch the footage, and then they see that Travis steps up onto something before disconnecting the surveillance cameras. So they see him wheeling a cooler into the bakery, and it's a large cooler. It's not a little cooler. A huge one. It's, it's a, a huge, huge cooler. Person-sized cooler. It's about, it's like will. four feet or long. Or just a cooler that can fit hella gluten-free granola bars. Why are you putting granola bars in a cooler? I mean, it was his work cooler. That is true. So, and then they see, so they see him doing that. They see him doing that the morning after she is, goes missing. And then they see him stepping on something, and then the camera goes off. Right. So then tips started coming into the police and they continued to speak to witnesses and they then learned that Travis had been seen scrubbing the same white cooler that was depicted in the surveillance footage with bleach. Very suspect. Or very cleanly. (laughs) Depends on who you're talking to and for what reason. That's not all. He was also seen carrying a rolled up carpet from his van. Wait wait a minute. That's two things right there. Yeah. (laughs) You don't get to use a giant cooler that is a person-sized cooler and then a rolled up carpet. 
Those are from two. Your, he's he's from mixed your quote unquote creepy white van. No, he yeah exactly. He's mixing a lot of true crime, you, you know, symbolism he's here or metaphors. In doing a sense. His spring cleaning. It is April. <laughs> spring right. cleaning time for Travis. This is so scary. The way that you're giving him excuses. She's giving him the benefit of the doubt. They didn't right. arrest him as a okay. very cleanly person. They didn't arrest him. That's true. So when police searched Travis's van, the entire interior had also been sprayed with bleach. How do you think about that, Alexis? Spring cleaning again. (laughs) It's all falling right in the same category. So much bleach was used in this cleaning that if there had been any DNA, it would have been totally destroyed. So this is where my tone shifts a little. The police (laughs) also got a call from a witness who saw Travis burning items in a giant barrel with a large fire. And when the police asked him about that, he had a very good excuse, in my opinion. He said he was burning moldy marijuana in an attempt to cleanse his past. That is it. That is a granola man saging right there. <laughs> also, I just don't know. But you know what? He delivered these answers because he was constantly cooperating with the police. Yeah. Had no problem. Would come in over and over. He delivered these with a very confident straight face so i mean l- listen it fits it fits his character as a granola salesman to cleanse your past by burning moldy weed sounds right on track and we know that burning for all you true crime aficionados out there burning uh stuff burning evidence burning whatever having a suspicious fire around a crime that the police are looking for has been evidence in many crimes. We saw it in Making a Murderer. Mm-hmm. We saw it in the Manson Murders. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, It happens a lot. No one that I know of has ever said they were burning moldy marijuana in an attempt to cleanse their past. Well, you Some would get people really high doing that. Uh, yeah. Could well, you imagine? Like a tent, hotbox yourself? Holy moly. But some people, it's funny, burn their trash still in rural neighborhoods. Sure. And it looks really bad if you're a suspect, but that's just what they do. Why? That's just what they do. Okay. Anyways, so Travis initially appeared to be this very sincere, trustworthy, kind of emotionally connected guy with this investigation, having all the sympathy for Kenya's family, being sad that he didn't do something to prevent Kenya from going off with this other guy. And all of a sudden, there are cracks that are appearing in his wholesome veneer. He seemed to be this healthy, friendly food nut, but... He's got a record. And a record that includes a lot of crimes that are pretty concerning. At 17, he breaks into 16 Fort Collins homes and businesses. He steals more than $15,000 worth of money and merchandise. And they search his room and they come up with what they said was vandalized pairs of women's underpants. Which we don't know what that means, but yeah, it doesn't sound that? good. Doesn't sound good. What the hell? We had a hypothesis. Billy and I were texting about this earlier. He's like, what exactly is vandalized underpants? I think he was doing things like cutting the crotch out of them, masturbating into them. I don't know. I think that's a very sterile way of, of saying like... So wait, he, those are like stolen He stole them from homes, women? but we're trying to think what they meant when they said vandalized. Yeah, under- masturbating into them. So he's st- well, while he's still on probation... He's arrested for criminal harassment, but he breaks a rule for the criminal harassment by carrying a knife, and he violates his curfew 43 times. Jesus. And then in 2004, there's two women joggers in Highland Ranch, 
and they are being hit by rocks. And they've learned that it was Forbes. Forbes was throwing rocks at these joggers, and he's arrested and charged with assault. So we have a series of crimes, breaking and entering, mm-hmm. uh, stealing merchandise, stealing women's underpants that has the sexual component to it, and then violating them or vandalizing them in whatever way that they, they felt it was. Carrying a knife and viol- violating the, the curfew, let's put that aside for a second, but we've got the sex stuff, we've got the the, the, the brashness of being able to, dr- to break into somebody's home, and then we have the fact that there's possibly some women hating here because he's throwing rocks at women joggers. Well, and just the frequency of all of these, I mean, 16 homes... That sounds like a compulsion to me. Okay, so it comes as no surprise that I have absolutely no idea how to cook. I don't want to learn how to cook. It's not really my thing. But when I tried Factor meals, it was a freaking game changer. So Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. Yeah, two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. So the first time I tried Factor meals, I was actually blown away because I'm like, that's it. That That's all it is. Two minutes and the meals are so delicious. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every single week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. And you can treat yourself to restaurant quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, ooh, fancy, shrimp, and blackened salmon. Like I said, they're so easy to prepare. I love them. So head to factormeals.com slash degree50 and use code degree50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code degree50 at factorymeals.com slash degree50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better, too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. It's almost summer, and the best and most sustainable way to shop for a new season is on therealreal.com. The Real Real is the largest and most trusted source for authenticated luxury resale. It's the only place you'll find brands like Hermes, Cartier, Prada, Dior, Staud, Zimmerman, Jacquemus, and more for up to 90% off retail. 10,000 plus new arrivals land every single day from hundreds of brands you love, all authenticated by a team of in-house experts. Whether it's that perfect wedding guest look, a new summer sandal, an updated beach tote, resort wear for your summer vacation, you're bound to find exactly what you're looking for, plus deals you won't get anywhere else on therealreal.com. Visit therealreal.com and use code FIRST at checkout for 20% off. Terms apply. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off.
why don't we ask Audrey, the person who really knew him, if she noticed anything glaring about Travis's personality? Sort of the one-on-one conversations, he would he would kind of stop mid-sentence and he would just stare, like not even thinking about what he wanted to say next, but more of how can I connect with this person and more of like an uncomfortable stare, really. It was awkward. It was it was uncomfortable, like I said. You just kind of get that feeling from somebody of like, are they wanting to connect with me romantically or are they trying to just be really philosophical or are they trying to like get in my head? So um, Travis would join our um, group of friends, coworkers um, after work for happy hour. And this happened a couple times, two or three times. And, but each time he would always drink way too much. Um, you know, we were just going out for one or two drinks and, and then going about our way, but he would just be, he would binge drink and, um, he would, there was almost like a flip would switch. Um, he would, he would become aggressive. He would become angry and irritable, um, yelling at people, walking by. I mean, angry at the world. You know, we all had to kind of come to the realization that maybe we shouldn't be inviting him out anymore if he's going to act this way in public. Yeah, after one of my runs um, with him, he I was dropping him off at his house, and he invited me inside. Um, I wasn't comfortable for one. Um, I also needed to get home to my then boyfriend. I turned him down. It was, I need to go and, you know, run a couple errands and I really need to get home. And he just kept pushing and pushing and, um, in a sort of aggressive way. And I came into this like fight or flight response of like, oh crap, you know, I really don't feel comfortable. It was awkward. And I had this response of, I need to just make something up. And he basically said to me, um, you know, that's pretty much like telling somebody that you need to go floss your teeth. You know, like you're you're lying and you're just trying to get out of hanging out with me type thing. He quickly got out of the car and slammed the door. Um, he was pissed. He did not want to talk to me for a couple of weeks after that. And I do remember that after this encounter happened, it was kind of like that pivotal moment of, of me reevaluating my friendship with him, um, if he was going to be so irritated and so put off that I was turning him down and we were, we were just friends. And it was soon after that, that he ended up, uh, quitting the health food store that, um, I worked at and moved to Denver. All right. So we've heard from Audrey as to when, you know, the last time she saw Travis was. Let's get back to Denver PD's investigation into Kenya's missing persons case. Right. So the cops right now are fully aware of how shady that Travis looks. He's a smooth talker and he has an excuse for everything. But so do sociopaths. Just FYI. But the cops also don't have a single shred of physical evidence connecting him to anything at all, and they don't have any proof that Kenya was hurt. He had cooperated with the police fully and maintained the role of a concerned Good Samaritan who was just worried about Kenya's safe return. So by now, the media had completely caught wind of this story, and they were hyper-focused on Travis as kind of the prime suspect. And he was essentially being ambushed on the street by reporters 
to answer questions and to answer what his involvement was, if he was involved, what happened the last time he saw Kenya. So we heard from Audrey the last time she saw him, but the next time she saw his face was on the news. It was the first connection that I had um, with Travis and, and Kenya was the news interview that he had. And it was a couple days after she had went missing. And I wasn't watching it at the time, but all of my friends were. And, you know, the phone starts ringing, the texts start coming in. It's like, you know, Travis is on the news. He's being questioned for um, this missing girl. And I was watching that interview, um, and I and I knew I just had this sinking pit in my stomach. Um, it was it was creepy um, when I was watching him talk to this news reporter, saying you know denying everything that it, you know that he was being accused of, and just saying you know no I didn't do that, no I I didn't sexually assault, I didn't kidnap, I didn't do any of this stuff. I looked over at my friend and it was like he did it. I could tell by just the look in his face that he was absolutely connected to this girl in some capacity. Did I know that he killed her? I didn't really want to go there in my mind, but I knew he played a part in her disappearance. Okay, guys, so this is kind of a pivotal moment in our story where Audrey sees Travis on the news and for the first time it's not that something's off about travis she is pretty sure he had something to do with kenya's disappearance now we're gonna take this moment as an opportunity to share something really interesting with you guys and it's really going to be a side note out of the story for a second but i want you guys to understand because this example really highlights the spirit of our podcast this first degree concept and kind of shows how we're all much more connected than any of us even realize. So as we were preparing for this episode, doing the research, kind of wrapping our heads around all the details of this case, now there are a million cases in the world, truly. Any number of cases could have been the one we decided to do this week. The day before we're slated to start recording this episode, a friend of Billy's from Colorado reached out to him and said, dude, I love your podcast. And it really reminds me of this situation with this coworker of mine who ended up being charged with murder, yada, yada, yada. Billy took notes, sent us all the link. I looked at it and it was about Travis Forbes because I thought he found another link of research to share with me or whatever. So I kind of looked at him like, cool, Billy. Yeah, you sent me a link of the case we're doing this week. And then the day we were slated to record, Billy realized that no, no, his friend worked with Travis, too, had no idea we were doing this episode. Billy hadn't put two and two together yet. And randomly, someone reached out to Billy, who Billy knew personally, saying, nope, I know Travis Forbes, too. I worked with this crazy guy. And it was a very serendipitous, crazy, crazy coincidence that really displayed just how this concept rings true in a lot of ways. It's like we're all a degree or two of separation from something horrific, and in some cases, different people are going to be one degree away from the same case without even realizing it. So we had Billy's friend Zach call in while we were recording this episode to hear what he has to say. All right. So something really strange happened two days before we recorded this episode. 
my buddy Zach reached out to me on Twitter and said, hey, I love the podcast. And I said, that's great. Thank you so much. He said, yeah, it reminds me of that I used to work with this guy named Travis Forbes. And I said, oh, that's cool. That's great. And he sent me a link to the, the story. And I didn't realize the story that we were going to be doing this week. Alexa sends us the information about what we're going to be doing this week, and I start reading it, and I go, wait a minute. This is the same guy that Zach is talking about, which is one of the weirdest things that's ever yeah. happened to me in doing this for 20 years. So, <laughs> Yeah, we worked together um, back in the day when I worked at um, at Vitamin Cottage. It was kind of like ships passing. He had gotten fired right as I started, basically. And then, um, what did he get fired for? I think it was mostly delinquency, but from what, from what my manager told me about that time, there was some drug abuse as well. Um, so I'm not sure what he was like on or doing, but it was definitely interfering with that work. So yeah, they asked him. How did you cross paths with him again? The grocery store I worked for was like a like a natural grocers, like you know, health food restaurant uh, kind of thing. Um, and so he became a delivery boy for one of the suppliers of, like, gluten-free bread or something like that, right? So he would be delivering all those things. And I was like, oh, okay, that's a thing that's happening. <laughs> so so what were your impressions of this guy? Dude, like, Travis was always, like, man, he felt like, you know, like, when you had, like, one of those bouncy balls you got from a vending machine, you just threw that sucker and it went everywhere. That's what he was like, you know, just high energy, like like he was friendly, like very friendly, like to hug a lot, which was a great thing to have in your brain now that you know a murderer. But every one of the gals that I worked with, they were like, mm, yeah, I don't. Can you go bring, like, ring his stuff out or do whatever you need to do with it? Even my receiver, who was like kind of very much a tough as nails kind of um, hard woman, was just like, I don't like him at all. And it was just definitely like, yeah, he's so high energy, but he's also just like, like he just could not keep that creep vibe under the surface of that at all. Um, it was just like, yeah, man, you're too much. So women didn't want to deal with him, and they, they kind of pushed him off to you. Yeah, yeah, at least at the store. You know, like, he was known, um, I know he was, he was like, you know, but he was always asking those gals out and, like, be like, hey, come out dancing with me. Like, he's very... You know, he was very, like, fairly well-built, like, in great, like, muscular shape and all that kind of stuff. But, and so he loved to, like, frequent the nightclubs, go out and get trashed and just have a have a time out there. And that's how he met that young girl. Um, but, yeah, that's really, like, all the guys are like, mm, yeah, I don't want to talk to him. He creeps me out. Not into it at all. Even though he was a he was a good-looking guy, too, but they were just like, they, they, they saw that. They saw that there's something off with this guy. Oh, absolutely, 100%. It was funny, like, when all this happened, like, all the gals were like, yeah, you see? You know, even when it was contested, like, they couldn't figure out anything about her whereabouts and corroborate his story or catch him for anything. Like, every one of them that I had been in contact with at that time, because I had left by that time, too, they were like, yeah, we like, a thousand percent sure that he did this. And did you ha ever have any conversations with him, like deep conversations? We heard that he, we heard from a uh, a woman named Audrey that she that, that he often had very deep conversations with this guy, or he liked to have deep conversations. You know, it doesn't surprise me. He did seem like you know, kind of like like man, like you know, his his mind didn't stop. I know yeah. what you mean, man. <laughs> right on. 
Is there anything that's more of a drag than trying to buy a new or used car? Buying a used car is trickier than buying a new car sometimes. But True Car isn't just for buying new cars now. They are helping you buy used cars. With their certified dealer network and nationwide inventory of nearly 1 million used cars, you can enjoy real pricing on actual inventory and a simpler buying experience whether you're buying new or a used car. With True Car, Users can see what others paid so they know if they're getting a good deal before buying or if they're getting completely swindled, which is my least favorite thing in the world. They're also more likely to enjoy a faster buying experience by connecting with TrueCar certified dealers so you know you're getting a good price. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, check out TrueCar and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. I will be using them to buy the next car that I am going to ride in. So check them out, True Car, and some features are not available in all states. All right, so we've got a pretty good idea as to how Travis's coworkers perceive him and perceive his guilt in this matter. So let's get back to our cops and the investigation into Kenya's disappearance. Right. So as the investigation was continuing, they had their suspicions and their gut instincts that Travis was definitely involved, as I feel like everybody listening to this is also thinking. They kept their eye on him, waiting for him to slip up. But Travis continued to cooperate with the investigation. That is until one day when the cops wanted to ask Travis a few more questions. They called him and they went to his house. They went to his work and they couldn't find him anywhere. He was gone, completely gone. And not only that, one of Travis's friends filed a police report claiming that he had borrowed her car and never returned it. So he fled. He gone. So the cops issued a warrant for Travis's arrest because of the stolen vehicle. But the reality was that he could be anywhere in the U.S. And that poses a whole lot of challenges. And there was little they could do. And the challenges that it poses is that he's not officially a suspect. He's just wanted for more questioning. So it's not like they could issue an arrest warrant for the murder. It's just a missing car, essentially. So Travis was flying under the radar at this point. And the Denver cops had spoken to Travis a number of times before he vanished. And in their interactions with him, they were really starting to fear that he was dangerous. He had this arrogance about him that was really a glaring earmark of a sociopath. And they knew he was responsible for Kenya's appearance. They just couldn't prove it yet. So they continued to look into him, even though they didn't know where he was. And they learned that Travis had been on a number of dates with women since Kenya's disappearance. Not only that, on these dates, many times Travis had given these women different names, different fake names, and taking them out to these fancy dinners and being very whiny and diny with them. The more concerning thing is that when these cops were talking to these women, they all just perceived him to be this harmless, very sweet, kind of goofy guy. And none of them really thought he was dangerous at all. The cops also tracked down Travis's ex-girlfriends. And they had a lot of interesting things to say. They described a transformation that they observed in Travis throughout the course of their relationship in terms of sexual role-playing with with violence and how that escalated through the course of their relationships. These were huge red flags. Right. And, you know, what we haven't talked about in a while is, this is all concerning. The cops, the sense of urgency to find Travis has been there, is, is there, is reinforced here with this new information. But what is Kenya's family doing during this entire time? What else can you do? You know, you're starting, you're handing out missing persons flyers, and you're trying to keep up the hope. But while the rest of the family is out there trying to find out where she is, 
you've got her dad and her dad is actually diving into dumpsters looking for her body and looking for any information about where she is. And he's kind of doing that secretly behind their backs because he doesn't want to destroy any of their hope. But he is so driven to find the answers of what happened to his daughter that he's going to go Mm -hmm. into, you know, one of the worst things that you could ever think of. I'm going to dive into garbage to look for my child. I can't even imagine. Yeah, it's terrible. Travis is missing throughout all of this and two weeks pass with no sign of him when all of a sudden Denver police receive a very interesting phone call. The call was from the police in Austin, Texas. A patrol cop in Austin saw an out-of-state license plate parked on the side of the road, and the officer decided to run the plate to see if anything came up. Lo and behold, the car had been reported stolen in Denver, and there was a warrant out for the driver, who was Travis Forbes, shocker of the century. Travis was taken into custody, and the detectives from the Denver PD were on the next plane to Austin to have some words. Let's hear exactly what Travis said during that session in Austin. They send me to Texas because they think you're running to Mexico. Oh, what the f*** are you doing in Mexico? And you get a tan? You didn't fly all this way out here just asking too much. Well, actually, I did. Did you do anything to No. Did you No. We never touched. At all? Not even a hug. And I usually hug people. I think, so did she have sex with you? Nash, I think at this point, I, I, my lawyer should be present. Point out about this interaction we just listened to with the Denver cops in Austin. We couldn't get all of the audio, but at this point, Travis is essentially in this cat and mouse game with the detectives. He's snide with his responses, and he's very much got a "you'll never get me" attitude. Total arrogance, again, more sociopath earmarks here. But back to the story. So the warrant for the stolen car that Travis was arrested on in Austin was luckily enough to extradite Travis back to Denver. Right, but what they've got on him was not what they wanted. They wanted to get him for Kenya's disappearance, not for a stolen car. But the one really positive thing that came from all this was the arrest allowed for the police to take a swab of Travis's DNA, which is going to be great. Now they would at least have a sample for comparison if they ever needed it. All right. So he's behind bars for the time being. But there's a plot twist. Dun, dun, dun. Travis's friend, who is pressing charges for the stolen car, decides, you know what? I'm going to drop these charges. I've had my car back. And she's pretty sure that Travis had nothing to do with Kenya's disappearance. He just took the car. He needed the car, whatever. So she decides to drop the charges. Everyone just thought he was this greatest guy. Charges are dropped. They have nothing to hold this guy on now. And he's released. He's released. Shame, shame. But the cops at this point, I mean, this guy's a really cunning guy. They have nothing on him that can hold him Mm -hmm. in custody. So after his release, the cops, despite that, keep him under very close surveillance. And they, they are certain that if he is left on the loose long enough, he will hurt somebody else. And just to circle back, as a reminder, Fort Collins is actually where Travis is from. It's where Audrey met him and where his grandparents live. 
Denver detectives actually follow Travis back there. So when he's released, that's where he goes. And they decide to tail him throughout everything he does. And one night when he decides to go out for a night of drinking at the local bars, they followed him. And he was essentially acting like a maniac. He was jumping on cars, acting like a clown. And weirdly, a couple of Fort Collins patrol officers stop him and kind of talk to him and just give him a stern talking to that night, having no idea that this guy not only is being followed by plainclothes detectives, but is also the focus of a Denver homicide investigation. When Travis walks away from these Fort Collins police officers, they didn't arrest him or anything. They just kind of warned him. The Denver plainclothes officers walked up to them and kind of filled them in on the fact that they were watching him. So that night, Travis stayed in Fort Collins and slept at his grandparents' place. And he essentially kept a low profile. He didn't break the law. And they had, again, no reason to arrest him. I mean, think about that. You know, like there's... There are these plainclothes detectives that are doing a homicide investigation watching this guy, and they're watching him jump on these cars and everything. They're seeing the local cops grab him and then you know, deal with him and then push him away. And then they go up to the local cops and say, hey, guys, listen, we're, we're dealing with this. And that that there's a dynamic there that, we're, that we haven't really addressed, which is a jurisdictional dynamic, which is the the big city cops from Denver going up to the Fort Collins cops and saying, we're working on this. And you hope, because we've seen this so many times, you certainly see it with Zodiac and you see it with a lot of other cases, you hope that there's not any any animosity between everybody and they're willing to, to share information because mm-hmm. you never like it as a cop when there's other cops I mean, think about that. You're a cop. You're doing. Think about. Forget about. Forget about thinking. Thinking about. You're a cop. Think about. You're doing your job, and you think you're doing your job, and you're doing it, and then, right in the middle of your job, somebody comes up from behind you and says, "Hey, by the way, that thing that you were just working on, I've got some information on it." You're like, "Who the hell are you?" <laughs> well, in this case, I think this was really high profile. So they probably. I mean, I'm sure egos are. It's a human condition that we all have them, but I'm sure there's also like a okay, like this guy's got to be real dangerous if two plain glows detectives from Denver are up here mm-hmm. taking you know taking time out of their their day to do this. So I'm sure it was just camaraderie. I hope so. Right. So then the cops tail him for as long as they can, and they trace his movements, and he doesn't do anything illegal during this time. And the detectives are eventually called back to Denver to regroup and try to get some evidence that they need on Travis some other way, because what they're doing now is not working. Right, and there's only so many resources they can allot to a maybe killer. They have no evidence on this guy. He's behaving himself. They're kind of like, kind of, he's trying to behave himself, (laughs) but... So essentially, Travis was out. He was roaming the streets free in Fort Collins. So I'm curious about Audrey lives in Fort Collins. What was she doing at this time? Was she in touch with him? Was she hearing from him? Let's ask her. You know, as the months went on, the news sort of died out a little bit. Um, They were, you know, the police and the FBI were kind of doing their own investigation. He was sort of out of the limelight. So I didn't really think about it that much. And then in July, um, when he attempted to kill Lydia, um, comes back into the spotlight. Wait, who the f*** is Lydia? Oh my god, you guys. We're out of time. I knew we'd have to make it into a two-parter. We have to finish this crazy freaking story next week. But until then... 
follow us on Instagram at the first degree at Alexis Linkletter at Billy Jensen at Jack Vanek. Please write us if you are one degree away from a murder or other crazy story. Hello at the first degree podcast dot com. And remember to keep your friends close, but not that close. Sources for this episode include direct quotes from Jordan Steffens, great feature in the Denver Post, Dateline, and the Huffington Post. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.